Welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm your host, Patrick Mayhorn, and I am joined uh, this week again by by Ryan Donnelly, who is back in the saddle, back on the mic. Um, after he was extradited last week, we were not able to, to get him on the line. Ryan, how's it going? It's good, Patrick. I'm getting a little tired of, of you know, getting taken away to these black sites three to yeah. four times a year. Yeah. But... Um, <laughs> And that's that's about how frequently I miss the podcast. I think I think that's that's the right number. Yeah, that sounds about um, right. Every couple of weeks, yeah. every couple of weeks, you have to take a vacation to go like golfing with football coaches or something like that. Um, and so yeah. we, we do kind of bump up against that. But um, yeah, but I mean, you are getting pretty good at it. At least you're becoming very good at getting kidnapped, uh, which is a, a, yeah. a valuable trade. At least. Well, I used to be more of a high volume shooter, but I'm obviously more efficiency nowadays. I'm yeah. really kind of trying to hone in on my. On my uh, KER, yeah, um, which is my my kidnapping efficiency ratio. Yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, <laughs> hoping hoping to get better at that. Yeah. Um, by the way, I was just thinking of I, I don't really have any bits to, <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to to play out here. I was thinking of a character this week. I just wanted to say I don't really have any follow ups on it. But I just kind of made me laugh. So I thought it might make you laugh. Okay. Um, how about a recruiting staffer gets hired by a school? Uh, and then the only thing he tries to relate to teenagers is that he loves Rick and Morty. Uh, he keeps trying to <laughs> he keeps trying to talk to all, to all the recruits about Rick and Morty. Mm, uh, okay, I do like like you totally know. normal. Otherwise, like does, doesn't come up during the interview at all. He's like a, he just like, he has like a a history. He's like, oh, this guy was a really good high school coach. Um, we think he's like a pretty effective guy in this area, respected by you know in the Atlanta area. Yeah, uh, and then they find out once they hire him, he loves Rick and Morty. There's always stuff about Rick and Morty with teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I do really like that. He's just like constantly bringing it up, like comparing things to it. You know, he's like, this is just like when uh, Rick became a pickle or something, like like talking to his quarterback, thinking about transferring. Yeah. You know what that, you know what this here, reminds me of? <laughs> here's the twist. He only got into the show after he found out that the two creators were canceled. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I like this. This guy works for Ohio State. You've invented a guy who works for Ohio State. This is a former Urban Meyer guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is a this is a real guy. Um, this yeah. is that or it's a Biff Poggy staff member. It's Ooh, a current Biff okay. Poggy staff member. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it might be Biff Poggy. I think that Biff might get down with some of this. It's hard to... Hard to know for sure, but maybe that's how he's uh, how he's doing what he's doing out there. Um, we've got uh, we, we've got a, an annual treat here. This is a show that we do every year around this around this time when we are uh, really flush with content. You know, we know everything that we're going to be doing. We have a lot of show ideas, and this is just the first one that we want to get to. It, it's it's not that this is an easy show that we can throw out to keep our, our, you know, the wolves at bay for another week. This is one of many good ideas that we have. Um, it's the mm-hmm. annual favorite, least favorite and our guy show for, for new coaching hires. Um, it's, it's pretty much what it sounds like. <laughs> favorite hire, least favorite hire, and then our guy, um, which the debate continues on if our guy is supposed to be an assistant or a head coach or any of those things. We still don't know, uh, but we will be excited to find out here at some point. But before we get to any of that, um, we do have, there's a, a more current story kind of a news story that we want to talk about. And also we should probably sell some things. We should probably, uh, get, get our, get our, our weekly shilling out of the way early here. Um, mm-hmm. Now take Home Field Apparel. Homefieldapparel.com. Use the code meet at midfield for 15% off your first purchase at checkout. You can purchase things such as the Yukon refresh or perhaps the Syracuse refresh or 
Maybe the third mm. school that I uh, didn't see the tweet for, but I'm sure that there There's is a new one. pit one. New oh, pit, new pit. pit collection coming. Pit is the yeah. one, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but you can partake in, in any of those, I believe. I don't know if the refresh stuff for the last three schools is still up there, like Indiana, Purdue, and Louisville. I don't know how it works exactly. I should probably have looked mm. before I said that. But um, Yeah, I think, and here's what I'll say right now, is any typing noises you're hearing are not me currently going to Home uh-huh. for the Perils Twitter account. Yeah. Um, so I'm not doing that. I'm just, I'll you're, stop my you're, head. You're learning how to type with with like full hands right you're you're practicing typing while we record which is a, a yeah. good, it's it's <laughs> yeah. not it's not related to you're not searching anything you're just doing sort of typing games on like typinggames.com or something yeah. like that that um, those like typing games you do when you're in like you know fifth grade or whatever mm-hmm. or one of the first times i really realized how much of a competitive psychopath i was yeah like just uh getting like apps like aggressively angry at myself if i didn't finish first in the class yeah. typing you know what i mean yeah the typing speed stuff yeah. yeah i i also i had that with like the math right like the 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 math race that you had to do where it's like you you solve as many little problems as possible in in however many mm-hmm. however many seconds um yeah were same. you good at 24 um i don't think i ever partake partook in 24 i don't remember Uh, anything called 24 yeah um i was uh i was actually a guest on the show featuring jack bauer played by keeper sutherland uh Uh, i was on that's what i was talking about i see yeah uh, there's also there's also a math game called 24 where you're given three numbers i think and you have to figure out how to add subtract multiply or divide them to get the number 24 Mm, i think that'd be a cool that'd be a cool preview episode if we just did that if we just like were (laughs) You and I were just playing twenty four. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty cool. I think that would make for a. Uh, I think that that would make for really good audio. I was th- to to really to really take us far off of the home field the the home field ad read. Uh, Homefieldapparel dot com. Use the code meet at midfield for fifteen percent off your first purchase. Go go over there. Um, I was thinking yesterday in like like one of those fleeting thoughts that I was not ever actually serious about but was kind of funny to me. Um, what if we did an episode this offseason that was not related at all to college football? We were just like smooth jazz radio shock jocks for an episode and we... <laughs> Ooh. interlaced it okay. with, with jazz like we were just radio guys um and we did not give any further context for it we never explained the <laughs> bit we just did that for an entire episode and then went right back to doing the show regularly <laughs> that's so funny you got there too because i was working on the same like a, a very a, a, i won't i won't spoil it because i still might do it but a kind of a similar concept for an article on our website that i was just kind of kind of like just fuck around with no other context, not explain yeah, yeah. what I was doing, but a complete non-college football thing. That's great. I think we should do that. Yeah, it seems um, like we're really getting into sort of pranks this off season. This is a prank-based <laughs> off season for us. We're feeling, as a site, we're feeling very, uh, very mischievous. Um, Ryan, what is the? What I still, is the I have told you. I think I think I should do a full episode in Spanish at some point in time. Yeah, I do think that would be funny if if we just released a Spanish language college football podcast and didn't tell anyone we were doing it. Yeah. Um, that would be, That'd be yeah. cool. Also, just the idea of a Spanish language college football podcast. Love that. That's an untapped market right there. Um, Do you think it exists? Oh, there probably is one, right? It's probably not very good. It's probably like a like a pretty basic yeah. radio show sort of deal, but I'm sure that there is one. Um, Let's see. Hmm. Hard to know. Impossible. I, impossible yeah. to find out as well. There's no possible way to. Uh, There's to of course it. NFL ones, but I've not found one for college football yet in yeah. my 20 seconds of googling. Well. Oh, hang on, hang on. Oh, okay. Um, it appears uh, there is an old one called College Football Nation El Podcast. Love that. Um, <laughs> that was the that was the that was the runner up when we were trying to determine how to name this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they they appear to have done. Hmm. 
uh roughly a dozen episodes yes. before quitting that's the uh, that is the number that every dead podcast does every podcast that never really makes it off the ground does exactly like 14 episodes and then you get to 14 you're like oh man i don't know if i want to keep doing these <laughs> there are there are like a hundred thousand podcasts launched in roughly march of 2020 that went 14 episodes deep and then never published again um and they're all just out there in sort of a, a podcast graveyard and hopefully someday our show will join theirs um in uh, in podcast yeah. valhalla but for right now we have to continue to live in this hell that we have created for ourselves um Ryan, what is our website? What is where, where can people find that? What can oh, they, yeah, what yeah. Can they do that? Uh, it's uh, Meet at Midfield, um, which is a pretty cool name for a website. A lot of people have said that. Uh-huh. Um, uh, it's about college football. Um, uh-huh. We talk about uh, all kinds of college football, including, but not limited to, uh, Ohio State, Michigan, <laughs> the Big Ten. Um, we have podcasts, just this one. Uh, there's you know uh, other podcasts out there as well including high street freaks there's a temporary hiatus on uh on the bucket problem michigan podcast that's coming back so yeah. you know time to get on the ground floor right now yeah um, uh, we're we're trying to uh, taylor has unfortunately been charged with computer crimes and so we're working on getting her off yeah. that, that charge uh we're yeah. working with one of they the actually Instagram unfortunately matt weiss's computer crimes were just deleting all the all the episodes yeah so yeah that was yeah that was certainly that was part of it and so we are uh yeah we're <laughs> we're we're rehab we're you know we're we're triaging the situation that we're working on that um all right continue <clears throat> Yeah, no, and I had a lot of other things to say too, um, <laughs> such as <yeah. laughs> there's our message for. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, like it is, it is a great, it is a great website. It's a great community. We have one of the best message boards in college football. Many people saying the best, the best message board. Yep. Um, with the most people and, and the meanest too, the meanest people on there. Yeah. It's uh, a lot of people were talking about doing, um, you know, seventy-five hard and other similar challenges like that. Our website's kind of like seventy-five hard for your brain, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like if you took away any of the physical growth aspects and only focused on just making yourself, um, more impervious to, to online abuse and things of that nature. Yeah. That's kind of like what our message board is like. So, um, if you're, if you're a tough guy looking for a tough challenge, it's time to come join meet at midfield and, um, and subscribe to the website. Yeah. And, and of course there is our, our long running and beloved, uh, 24 thread where we all just play 24 together. Um, yes. that's, uh, that's personally, that is yeah. one of my favorites. Um, and, and what's cool about it is it's an at your own pace game too. So a guy will just post it and someone yeah. will claim it maybe a couple of two, three hours later, they kind of, they kind of finally come back to it just and pick, get there. Figuring out, Ooh, I like this one. All right, let me cook. <laughs> Clear the, clear the lane. I'm going to get to 24 good as hell. <laughs> yeah, call it ISO for yourself. On yeah. <laughs> I don't need any help with this one. I'm finishing this one off at the rim. No problem. Um, all right. What are we, uh, what, what, what's the, what's the news that we were talking about this week? This is an article that came across your desk um, that yeah. uh, your, your assistant print out, printed out and, and brought to you and that you're, you're going to kind of bring and show the class here. Right. Well, I've kind of been on top of the the college football, the intersection of kind of college football and strip clubs has kind of become known as my beat. Yep. Um. Uh. In in the community, it has so, also been on top of you in several instances, which is sort of why you like mm, it so much. That's true. You know what else, Patrick? Just a little a little fun um, color commentary here. Yep. Uh. People don't know this. Uh. Buenos Aires, Argentina. No strip clubs here. Hmm. They don't exist. 
huh yeah that's i would not expect that i'm sure there's a reason for it yeah but i would not expect it's, that. it's kind of like really only a thing in a few countries as far as i can tell okay um not super common around the world i mean definitely big in the u.s of course mm-hmm. um you know you got them in canada <laughs> yeah <laughs> um i think you'll find them a little bit and maybe like london of course and, and paris any yeah. other travelers out there want to let us know i mean you have like erotic dance to other places but i think pure strip clubs I think it's it's really kind of an American thing. I mean, hmm. I might be wrong about this, but it's not in Argentina. I'll tell you that. Okay. Well, that's um, a little bit of good color heading into this one. So we know that this will right. never. The following story will never happen to Ryan. We know that, and that's good news. We 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 can yeah. we can all rest assured knowing that this will not happen to Ryan. And anything that happens in this in this story, I have never done. I just yeah. want to clarify this. Mm-hmm. No part of this has ever I've ever been involved in. Yeah, um, this is this is a pretty jokey thing that we are we are leading into with a story about a, a, someone dying. I should, yeah. probably, should probably take a step Oops. back here. Our bad. Uh, well, we're not gonna edit it out. I mean, it's kind yeah. of the, the deal of the podcast. Whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. Never mind. So, uh, so a lot of people, a lot of people have been yelling at the Atlanta Journal Constitutional this week, which is of course the the paper of record in Atlanta. Um, they had a report about basically the circumstances around uh, Devin Willick's death. Devin Willick, of course, the 20-year-old former Georgia offensive lineman who passed away in January, um, I think about a week and a half ago now. Yeah. Um, so uh, basically there's been very little in the way of details around uh, Willick's death. Um, th- there is essentially that another UGA recruiting analyst and staffer uh, was killed alongside him, uh, Chandler McCroy, uh, LaCroix. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, there was a couple people in the car, including another staff member, uh, Tory Bowles, and another player, uh, Warren McClendon, who's the player for the NFL draft. Yeah. Um, but besides that, we really didn't know anything else about this crash. There's been no toxicology report yet. Um, we were just told the car was speeding out of control. There's no ideas of where they were prior, what kind of led to this. Really nothing had come out except that he was in a car crash and passed away, yeah. which is obviously tragic. Um, and if people have been mourning for that. But uh, the AGC was able to get some essentially video footage here. Uh, from the athens clark County Police Department um, that was, I think, between the hours of 1.45 and 2.45 a.m. Uh, it was near a, a local strip club in Athens uh, called Toppers. Okay. Um, that essentially, which is really a funny name for a strip club. You got to give them that. Yeah. Um, but um, McClendon and Willick uh, left with these two staffers, two female staffers who are both uh, in their mid-20s employed by the University of Georgia, um, to work for the football team, essentially as recruiting uh, uh, recruiting hosts, right? Yeah, um, recruiting hosts, recruiting analysts, whatever you want to call them, and uh, they were uh, they appeared to be essentially all together in the strip club. They, they exited together, um, all four of these people, uh, prior to getting into this car. Uh, at which point they, I believe, they left around the club around two forty five a.m. is is the is what's listed here. Yeah. Um, prior to their crash, uh, it was um, the exact time the crash was. Um, Probably. oh, sorry. They, they left the club at, at two 32. Okay. Uh, and then got into the car at two 40. Uh, and then at two 48, the accident, uh, the, the officer were just, disp- were, uh, were dispatched to the, uh, the accident. Yeah. So there's, there's essentially a, about a, you know, a 20 minute window here in between them leaving the club and this accident happening. Yeah. You, so you can, you can tie the two together pretty comfortably, I think. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, also shortly afterwards, this has been a, a source of controversy here, but it also in this article, um, the Atlanta Journal Constitution reported that they went back to the club, I think the next weekend, mm. and saw several other Georgia players there, uh, drinking essentially, having their in VIP with the full with the uh, bottle of alcohol. Yeah, which I mean, not certainly not the first or last time you see college football players in the strip club, 
uh, with <laughs> with alcohol. It's not a, not a big surprise, yeah. uh, especially as as players have more money than ever, right? As they have NIL money. I mean, that's, you know, you're a 21 year old guy in Georgia. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> no, no judgment for me. I, I think I might know what you spent it on. Yeah. And, but, but essentially what the, the question this raises here is, you know, the, the permissibility of, and also the context of these people uh, being together in this strip club, right? Mm-hmm. Why were two adult employees of a university uh, driving, I saw mentioned this, a university owned car that is leased out for, uh, recruiting trips, right? Such this is the car that's rented out to staffers to take recruits around campus. Mm-hmm. McClendon and Willock were obviously not recruits. This was the weekend of the Georgia Championship celebration. Um, the question is, what were these two staffers doing with a university-owned car in a strip club after two a.m. Yeah. with two students? Right. Yeah, that would, um, that would be my question. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not naive to the fact of what they were doing, right? I, I think it's like I'm not trying to, you know. <laughs> accusing one of anything here, but it's fairly obvious to say these people were drinking together, right? They're in a strip yeah. club together uh, after 2 a.m. You're drinking a party. That's what you do in a strip club, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not a crazy leap to make. Yeah. So it, basically, I think the, the conversation has been raising a little bit is like the, the exact nature of the relationship between on-campus recruiting staffers and the players they recruit, right? Mm-hmm. Because these players, of course, become, you know, that these recruits become student athletes, become players of the team. And the like the relationship they have does not end there, right? Like oftentimes these people who are in their young, you know, early to mid twenties are, are intermingling with players who are on campus. And I don't know, man, like this is essentially the, the question here is you have, you know, employees of the football team, employees, of the university, you know, taking players out in university owned vehicles, getting them drunk and, and hanging out with them and partying. And it led to a death here. Yeah. And the liability on the university to me seems massive. Yeah, um, this is not the first we've heard of this kind of stuff happening either. Yeah, it's been an issue. Not that this is an SEC specific thing, but it has seemingly come to light more frequently in the SEC. This exists. This exists everywhere. Um, but sure. it, it has been an issue at several schools. I think what Vanderbilt was one. Um, Vanderbilt is probably the most the most insidious, right? Vanderbilt yeah. had a, had a culture of uh, essentially their recruiting program uh, recruited sorority girls to be dates or escorts, whatever you want to call it, for the players, which led to several of those escorts uh, being sexually assaulted by, by recruits and players Yeah. Um, over the course of time, which, led to, which, you know, James Franklin allegedly was involved in covering up and, and you know, uh, was basically calling, trying to intimidate these girls from not mm-hmm. reporting anything. Um, one of the nastiest ones, right? There were also yeah. rumors this year of a recruiting staffer at LSU organizing uh, what's being described as like a sex party with Malik neighbors, uh, which led to him like leaving the university afterwards. Yeah. Um, this happened at Tennessee, if I recall correctly. I don't have, I don't have the details out in front of me. Obviously, Louisville is a famous one too with the prostitutes at Louisville or mm-hmm. sex workers, whatever, whatever word you want to use. Yeah, um, uh, happened a lot, right? Sorry, yeah. keep going. Yeah, happens a lot, and and so it it is a it, it it is interesting to to think about this from like a liability perspective because it's weird that the schools haven't done that seemingly that they that this is so you know, common, right? Because this is, it's, it's, this is a Georgia specific story because it happened at Georgia and, and the, the circumstances are here are, are specifically noteworthy and, and, you know, obviously very sad. Um, but it's like, this is, this, this exists everywhere. This is what recruiting like on, when you, when you see like on, you know, on campus recruiting liaison or director of on campus recruiting or associate director of on campus, like it's they're just they're there to show recruits around. They're there to show recruits, you know, local parties and frats and 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 sororities and and things like that. That's the job. That's what you do. I don't I don't think that this is really 
there are people within the recruiting department who are not doing this. There are people within the recruiting department who are much more, you know, organizational, who are who are more like a coach, who are more like an administrator in some instances. Yeah. But who are the, involved in identifying and recruiting players, right? yeah, not just hosts. Yeah, this is not yeah. this is not that. Hosts, you know, uh, on on campus visit hosts, things of that nature. That's the job is this basically. This is what the job is, um, and. I don't think we are. I don't think we are naive to that in any way. And I, I'm not. You know, I, I get it. I don't. I don't know really. Like that's been happening forever. That's that's always existed. Um, sure. But it is interesting. It's more formalized though. Yeah. Right? It, it transitioned from an informal program to people you could hire and pay to do this. Yeah, they're listed on the team. You know, the 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 masthead, right? <laughs> they're listed on the you know, among the staff, um, which is some of them, not all of them. Um, but it is interesting to think about, like. Yeah, this seems like super, super high risk. This seems like maybe not a great uh, setup if you're one of these universities because you, I mean, yeah, there's a huge amount of, of, of things that can go wrong in these circumstances, a massive number of things that can go wrong, um, especially once you have that transition from recruit to to player. Like, I, this, I would guess that at pretty much every school in America, there is a rule that says that they really aren't supposed to be doing this, that this is not supposed to be a thing that you do with current athletes. Um, and so I'm not sure what the, you know, the, the, the recourse in this circumstance is obviously a lot worse and, 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 you know, far beyond anything that would, that would be usually applied to this kind of thing. But like, yeah, this seems like something that super shouldn't be happening with all with like really probably anybody, but especially with current student athletes, right? It's this this seems like bad. This seems like a bad thing to have going on. Yeah, of course, man. Like I, I, I think we talked about this, but like neither of us are puritans about this, right? Like yeah. I, I'm not like naive for the fact. I think players that... can probably do this on their own. I don't. I don't know that you yes. need to give them like a you know a staff or you know like a, like an on staff escort service. Like I don't know that you need. <laughs> it seems like maybe a little much. It's crazy. It's, you're man. a fucking like, college like, look, football player. Figure it out. It's not that hard. Yeah, and I know you talked about this, right? Like I, I think something. And the distinction I made our message board here earlier today when we talked about this is that I, I think there's a difference between. And I'm not saying it's an SEC only problem, but I do think, like you said, it's happening more at major recruiting powerhouses, and a lot of those happen to be in the South, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's probably not a, it's not an SEC problem. It's just it's kind of a, a where the good teams are problem, yeah. right? And you know, essentially, there there is a difference between I think what is a normal quote unquote recruiting visit where the schools are allowed to give money to current players to host recruits. That money is given to the understanding of this player, you know, after they have their nice official visit meal and they hang with the parents, yada, yada, they go out to party that night um, on a Saturday night after the game, they get to see, you know, campus parties and they're brought around with the kind of uh, uh, young women, football players tend to hang around, which are, uh, you know, attractive young women at college campuses, right? Yeah. Uh, there is always alcohol involved. There's always parties involved. It's not a secret what happens once that's going on, right? Yeah. Like no one is naive to, you know, what essentially the goal of a of a of a player hosting a recruit is, which is to show them a great time, which probably involves getting laid, for being honest, probably involves yeah. liquor, it probably involves a great party. There is a difference between that and having staff who continue to make that relationship happen with those players after they are active student athletes, who are, you know, essentially acting as party liaisons for their entire career as recruits and as players and doing so with university funds and university cars to transport them yeah. uh, after drinking. Like there is a, there, and like, you know, it's not interacting with, if you believe the LSU rumors, you know, uh, 
on ca- on field coaches being involved with those players and those staffers too. Yeah. Like there is a level of this that is happening that is, I think, well beyond the pale. Um, and it's just, you know, at a level that I don't think, I don't think is reasonable at all. Yeah. And, and I'm not trying to make light of this. Obviously it's a horrible situation. And, you know, if a university like, like, look, if, a, if a someone involved in the university essentially was, and we don't have tax college reports yet. We don't know this, but was drunk and was driving a student athlete in a university vehicle after getting them drunk underage at a strip club. Like, yeah. It's... I mean, the liability on the university is insane, right? Yeah. Let alone just the moral implications of that and, like, you know, the obvious tragedy that occurred from it. The the, the moral implications, sorry, the legal implications, the liability implications of what that means for the university, like, this hash, this shit cannot happen, right? Yeah. This this cannot be involved. The, the, the adults in the room with, with big, you know, scare quotes around and everything cannot be acting like that, I don't think, right? Like, you, you can't, I understand college football players are adults, but come on you cannot have the people paid by the university doing this shit it's not that's just not gonna go that's this is a job this is a full-time job and it's yeah it's it's really really it's really unfortunate it's very bad the circumstances here but it is a chance to i think kind of reflect for the sport and and for the you know for something that like so much of what is happening in college football there's i don't think there's really any changing i don't think there's really any fighting i think that everybody just kind of has to let it go but like yeah, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't have your your recruiting coordinators uh, out, you know, like fraternizing with your current student athletes at two in the morning in a strip club. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't be allowed to do that. It's not. That's bad. That's a bad. That's a bad thing to do. You. It it's just, crazy. Yeah. It, it's uh. It's a chance to actually. Like this, there's this is an actual actionable thing that you could change. I think realistically in this sport, um, and they, no one will. There's nothing. There's no unit in power. But um, it should be a wake up call on that front of like, oh, this has gone too far. This is this is too much. We are putting. I mean, it's, you're you're putting people in danger. You're putting like obviously this is this, someone was put in danger. Um, it's just not. It's just not good. It's just not. It's not it's not something that should just be accepted. No, hundred percent. And I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and again, like we're, we're not Puritans about this, right? I'm not objecting to yeah, like, I don't care if he goes drunk. to the strip club. Yeah. He doesn't need to be escorted there by a university staffer. That sounds like a bad yes. idea. That's that's right. Yeah. And like, the, and I guess the question is just like, how do you stop this from happening without changing the entire nature of, of how recruiting works right now? Because like there are, as, as noted in the, um, in the article, there is there are there is language essentially this stuff is not permissible. They can be terminated for doing this stuff. Yeah. But like Who's gonna that's all that? written with a wink wink. Yeah. Right. There's all written with a wink wink of like, but your job is to show them a good time, right? And like mm-hmm. to make sure the players have a quote unquote fun culture on campus and love their time in Athens, right? Like that is yeah. that is the understanding of what their job is. And so how do you change that from happening? And and I don't know. I I don't know what the answer is, um, except to to hopefully I think this series and have a complete separation between you know, basically fraternizing after hours. Like, like these people are employees of the school, right? They're not yeah. student athletes or, or student employees. They are fully grown adults who are employed by the university. Yeah. And it you, should be treated the same way you would treat, you know, a professor hanging out with yeah, or, or having a personal relationship with his students. Right? Or, 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 students. A, or a coach, which many of them have been fired for. Like this is frequently, right. this has gotten this almost exactly this kind of thing without the, the, the end result has gotten coaches fired. It's not, of course, it's not that uncommon. Right. And it's, it's not acceptable when they do it. It's not acceptable for like a professor to, these are employees of the school. You can't be doing this. It, it just can't, 
it j- it's just not especially not given the fact that especially given the fact that these relationships usually start when the future student athlete then recruit is underage yeah like the first time these people meet them like you're, you're theoretically a 23 24 year old employee of, of the recruiting staff who meets this kid at 16 or 17 and then sees them go to college and then you know you're 26 27 and you're still hanging out with them yeah. that's fucking weird yeah the, i will yeah we will be puritans about that that's bad that's bad that they do that yeah <laughs> it's that is that is uh, predatory on on the really on the behalf of these schools and these programs you're you're taking advantage of these kids these are these are uh, when they are recruits they are kids they're teenagers they are not adults and it is, uh, it's, it's just nasty. It's just nasty stuff. I, I don't, I don't much care for it. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Um, I think we'll move on from it there. Cause we said all we have to say, but yeah, very nasty stuff. Um, yeah. very unfortunate, obviously tragic for Bullock's family and sad that it happened, but, um, yeah, can't keep going on. Cannot keep yeah. happening. Yeah. Let's, let's hope that it does not, um, need to happen again for, for people to sort of get the, get the idea. Um, cause that's, it's yeah, yeah, very, very unfortunate. Um, all right, shifting gears here, <laughs> significantly shifting gears. Um, we'll start with our favorite coaches. We're gonna we're gonna sort through. We've each out. We've each picked out a favorite hire, a least favorite hire, and then our guy. Um, if we have time, we also have uh, staff wide uh, opinions. At least I do um, on a on a staff that I really like. I also have one that I really don't like. But we will see if we get to that. Before we do that, though. We're going to start with our favorite guys, and Ryan, we're going to start with you. Who's your who's your uh, who's your pick? Who's your favorite uh, hire from this this off season? Yeah, I don't think I'm going to shock and roll up this one. I think you guys know this one's coming, but uh, for me, it is Luke Fickle, right? I I think like Wisconsin making this hire, Wisconsin basically having the the gumption, if you want to use that, to pull this off. Um, to me, is like a shift in the nature of that program, what they expect for themselves. Yeah, which is not a small thing, right? Like them firing Paul Chris was a big surprise. Them firing Paul Chris and then scraping together the money to go hire Luke Fickle after all the jobs he's said no to allegedly recently mm-hmm. uh, is pretty unbelievable, right? Like, this is the guy who, you know, is on anyone shortlist the best coaching candidates in the country come into this year. Um, you know, you got him to leave Ohio for the first time since he was a, 19, a 22-year-old uh, NFL rookie. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's not it's not a small thing to do that. Um he, he's a massive hire. He has a great, I mean, he seems like a pretty exciting staff coming with him. I, I wouldn't go to as far as call it great because some of the actual coaching ability I, I have questions about, but the names are big. <laughs> the money's yeah. big. Um, you know, the juice around some of the recruiting he's doing is exciting. Um, they essentially said, you know, we understand we've been the Wisconsin team, right? We've won 10 games a year forever uh, until we didn't, right? But roughly you've been the same team every year. You win between eight and 11 games. You run the ball a lot. You play good defense, and it's usually pretty good. Yeah. And they said that's cool, but we think right now at the Big Ten, like we can be better than that. Like if the twelve team playoff is coming, we think we can be a consistent playoff team or very close to it. Yeah. And I admire the ambition, right? Like I think that is an incredibly ambitious thing to do. Um, I know we admonish teams sometimes for thinking they're bigger than they are, but Wisconsin's been good now for like twenty years straight, and and they were starting to slip. And they said we don't want to slip. We want to take the next step. And I think having the, again, just having the, the the courage to go after and make that hire for Luke Fickle, aside from him being Luke Fickle himself, like aside from even evaluating Luke Fickle as a coach, but having the, you know, the guts to say, Paul Chris, despite being a native son who's won, you know, X number of games here over X many years, is not good enough. He's not doing enough for us and we need something better. Yeah. And they could have, you know, settled for Jim Leonard too, right? They, like the players love Jim Leonard. They could have taken Jim Leonard and said, hey, he's going to keep the defense great. He'll just be a Paul Chris, maybe a better OC. 
And they said, that's not good enough either. Like, we have to go get a proven guy and to go win something and make the playoff. And they want to do that. And shit, man, credit to them. I think it's tremendous. I love yeah. the I love the aggression they showed here. Yeah, I, I think that Wisconsin with ambition is a, a very welcome change of pace from where they have been. And, you know, and then... And, and, like we we have talked about before, like you said, there's there's something to accepting your 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 lot in life and being good at what you are as a program. And I think that for a lot of programs, that is that is totally fair. And a lot of programs probably shouldn't try to make huge sweeping changes given their their current circumstances, because usually your circumstances are not going to be set up for that. I, I don't think that every school is in a position to do, to do this kind of thing, but like. Yeah, there's a power vacuum in that area. There's a power vacuum in the Big Ten West for as long as the Big Ten West exists. Um, there's just, I mean, really in general, in the in the Midwest, what? It's Ohio State, Michigan, Notre Dame is, is nearby, Penn State is nearby. There's room. There's room for more really good teams. There's, yeah. more, there's room for more... Um, I mean, the idea here is pretty obviously that they want to be a national recruiting thing. They want to be able to go to Florida, go to Texas, to go to California the way that Ohio State does, the way that Penn State does, or Notre Dame or Michigan. And those are obviously brands that have been built up over decades and decades and decades of success. But the the idea here is obviously is that it's you know that Luke Fickle can unlock that that he is the kind of coach who will make a destination program based on his success, his ability to put players into the league, his ability to win football games, to develop staffs, to develop players. Um, this was, uh, you know, it, it was shocking. It was a shocking hire when, when Wisconsin managed to make it, but it was never, it was not shocking because it didn't make sense or because it was just like, you know, oh, well, why would he take that job? Like, no, this makes total sense. I absolutely get it. I get why he took the job. I get why Wisconsin hired him. Um, I, I think that to, to, I'm really fascinated to see how it works, to see how this all pans out. But I yeah. think as surely as a concept, as a name on a page and the background of that name, it's a, it's a home run, obviously. It's a fantastic hire. And I, I think that it is of the hires that were made this off season, it would, it would definitely be the one that is like, feels like the surest thing, right? This feels like the the biggest, you know, yes, this is going to work. This the, what, It might not work at the highest level, we don't know yet, but this will win Wisconsin more games than the last guy did. Yeah, I mean, especially not with any, like, no major programs really made changes this offseason too. Yeah. Right, like, we didn't, there, there was no one, let's not forget anybody major, no one bigger than Wisconsin made a change. Um, so Auburn, I guess. Is Auburn? Oh is, yeah. Is that is that big? Auburn's I mean, bigger probably than Wisconsin, but Wisconsin outhired them. Yeah. Certainly outhired them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think the upside here, by the way, if you're if you're, you know, if if you're uh, Wisconsin, you're hoping you basically got an upgraded Chris Peterson or Chris Peterson with a higher floor. You mm. know, like which is a, obviously very high praise. I acknowledge that, but that's kind of what you're expecting here, right? Like Peterson yeah. put together, I think four consecutive top 15 runs at, or sorry, three consecutive seasons of top 15 play at Washington before uh, retiring. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, Wisconsin has done that. So if you're starting with a team that basically, uh, you know, was already playing a level where they expect to be top 25 every year, yeah. you're elevating them to the next step. I, I think, you know, it's fairly easy to say that in a 12 team playoff, I don't think it's crazy <laughs> that most years, eight of those 12 teams will come from the Big Ten and SEC combined. Yeah. I don't think that's crazy at all. I think it's actually probably my expectation. So, and you're, you know, basically, you're, if you're Luke Fickle, you have one year to gear up and you're in the 12-team playoff era. 
So I think Wisconsin's expecting him to make the playoff in year two or year three. Yeah. Like that's pretty much what they're hoping for out of this hire. And, you know, you go hire Phil Longo, you spend money on Phil Longo to be a guy who can, I don't know if he can develop them, but he can recruit quarterbacks, right? Like like you have have Luke Fickle's defense. He can very quickly change the way that Wisconsin has thought about offensively. I I think would be the easiest thing that you could use to describe Phil Longo without being overly positive about an offensive coordinator who... Uh, it's largely been empty calories, if we're going to be honest. It's largely been empty calories. He he puts up a lot of yards, but we've not we've not been especially pro Phil Longo, I think, for good reason. But he he has he has brought in like four of the you know highest ranked recruits or four of the highest ranked quarterbacks in school history in the span of about a month and a half. Um, he will change the way that they play offensively. He will change the way that they are thought about offensively. I think that that is. Uh, yeah, it's pretty apparent. I, I would, I would, I think that you know, mission accomplished there. If that was the, if that was the goal, which it seemed to be. Right, and I mean, you know, he, he goes out there and gets. They, they've already landed some new transfer players because this, right? The skill court Wisconsin looks good. Yeah, like they brought in Bryson Green from Oklahoma State, who I think is a, uh, you know, I think he's a very solid uh, vertical receiver. I think they brought in C.J. Williams, the former top 100 overall player, as a transfer. Uh, they have, I think, Marcus Allen's coming, if I recall correctly, is coming back. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a lot of dudes essentially are coming back to this team um, or, or have been brought in to kind of join. You know, I, I think that th- there's some upside here. Like, there really is some upside here, with, especially with, uh, with with Tanner Mordecai, who joined the team. And, yeah, I mean, you, you can talk yourself in pretty quick to this team, figuring out how to play offense pretty well um, and, and obviously having the traditional Luke Fickle defense. Like, I, I, there's a lot to like here. I like it. Um, I don't think there's anything too. Cra- this is pretty much expected, right? I don't think yeah. anyone's shocked that I picked him or that he's on our list at all. I mean, it's kind of what we all thought would happen. Yeah. And like you said, the recruiting is going to be awesome. It's Luke Fickle. Like he is a dog as a recruiter. He's been a dog for, you know, two decades basically. Like since he joined the Ohio State staff, he was one of the best recruiters in the team. Yeah. Um, he is incredible at picking an area and owning it. Like, I'm sure they are going to overnight recruit better in Ohio than they have ever. Yeah, you know, ever. I'm sure they're going to recruit whatever other area they pick. They're probably going to they're probably going to try to get into the Michigan metro area, probably Chicago. Um, they're probably going to go into back into Pittsburgh, which is where Luke Fickle had you know a ton of ties when he was at Ohio State, and they still recruit under Cincy. Like yeah. you're going to see him in a lot of areas that you have not seen Wisconsin in previously. Um, I think he is probably smart enough to recognize to do the the uh, the, the the thing that we uh, essentially advocate for for a lot of with a lot of teams, which is you know recruit your home state recruit the biggest predominantly producing state in your region, in this case, Ohio, and recruit the metro areas, right? Recruit Chicago, recruit Detroit, recruit Pittsburgh, yep. uh, recruit Kansas City or St. Louis or whatever's nearby, uh, Milwaukee, you know, is in your state, I guess. But, like, hit those areas hard and, and hit your home state hard and hit, you know, the biggest talent nearby. And, and like, he's going to do that to, I think, great applause and great ablom, and I think it's going to work out. I, I think yep. he's... I think he's got it. Yeah, he's... he's The la- last thing I have on him as a recruiter is that he is a great like actual recruiter he he's great when he gets in the room he's great when he's competing for a top prospect but he is also i mean <clears throat> one of the the best in america one of the best that i have ever seen at identifying prospects who other people have missed on the defensive side of the ball um he's so so good at picking guys out from from sort of the depths of the you know the list of recruiting rankings from you know guys who are probably going to end up at a G five school guys who are going to probably end up at a, you know a G five school that, 10, yeah, yeah low level yeah. Big Ten or a G five yeah. school that is that is pretty well known for producing some of these you know these positions right like he he has been so good throughout his career at identifying those players at identifying 
um, I mean, really athletic frames that can be added to uh, identifying smart players who can become better athletes or athletes who can become smarter players. Um, he's just he's just really good at it. He's really really good at it. Um, especially like I said on the defensive side of the ball, especially at linebacker, you see a lot of these guys. He's got a lot of safeties who have been like this. Um, so I I think that that will it's obviously beneficial because you're bringing more talent in, but I think that that will also sort of help to make Wisconsin still kind of feel like Wisconsin, right? Just feel like a more uh, cohesive and a more ambitious version of Wisconsin, but they'll still have those guys on those def- on those defenses where it's just like, where the hell did he find this dude, and why is he so good? You know, like where did he where did he get this defensive end who nobody's ever heard of, yep. who's going to be a first round pick next year? Um, that's what Luke Fickle does, and I, I think that uh, yeah, from from fit you know with the school with the location to just his actual production as a coach, it's it's perfect. I don't think that it, I don't think Wisconsin yeah. could have possibly done any better than it did. And especially as it's been pointed out too, by the way, uh, you know, a lot of like, this is not the first person to say this, but because of like the lack of other major division one or even division two schools and, uh, you know, uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota, basically a lot of players from those states end up becoming good walk-on players. Yeah. And like, I mean, you want to depend on a guy to have a good walk-on program. Like look at Luke Fickle, right? That mm-hmm. is Luke Fickle's bread and fucking butter. Yeah. Uh, and just going to find some guys that are not, you know, well thought of, I think or not highly thought of and, yeah, I think he's going to recruit the hell out of that area. I think he's going to be tremendous. I guess if we were to if we were to poke holes in this and say why it wouldn't work, the the, the downside is just that Ohio State comes and steals your guy before he gets going, yeah. right? But like you can't hire with that fear in mind. I don't think. No. Like if he's the best guy you can get, which he clearly is in my opinion, because your return to was getting what like Matt Campbell. Yeah. Uh, then then I, I think you had to make this move, and if you lose him, you lose him, and so what? You get the next guy later on. You go hire Jim Leiter then, right? Yeah. Like. Yeah. Not the end of the world. Yeah, two years of Luke Fickle is infinitely better than zero years of Luke Fickle. You you would much rather yep. have at least two years of Luke, Luke Fickle rather than, you know, uh, five years of Matt Campbell. I, I I think that that he can do a whole lot of damage in not a whole lot of time if they, if it comes to that. And yeah, like you said, you you just can't hire like that. You can't hire scared that he's going to just get picked off somewhere else. Um, there's there's just there's no benefit to doing that. You might as well take the risk. You might as well see what you can get. Um, my favorite hire is one who we have talked about plenty and who I, I don't know if we're going to go into a ton of depth on, but he has um, <laughs> quickly established himself in pretty much the way that we thought he would. Uh, it's Dion. It's Dion at Colorado. Um, Ryan, are you are you up at all on what Colorado has been doing on the recruiting trail slash the transfer portal? Because I have I have been following th- this. They they have 23 transfers listed on 247 right now. Um, they had their 19 or their uh, yeah their their 18 signees uh, in the in the regular early signing period. They got a couple four stars, um, largely offensive skill position guys. But in in recent weeks, you've really started to see sort of the the proof of concept, the idea of Dion, the thinking behind Dion, of you know. This guy, wherever he is, you can put him anywhere. He will be a a magnet for top end talent. He'll be a, a magnet for four stars. He'll be a magnet for five stars. He will draw these guys in, and as long as he can hire a, a competent staff, like which it seems like he has, they will be able to do a lot of damage with just the sheer amount of talent that he can bring in, even if he's not like. I don't know what we know about Dion as an actual football coach. I don't know that we know all that much about him as an actual football coach, but 
this is the, you know, you want to bring in as much talent as possible and then pass it along to the staff and see what they can do with it. And he, uh, just a couple of days ago, as we record this, uh, landed five-star former Miami commit Cormani McLean, who's the number one cornerback in the country, uh, to pair with Travis Hunter. We talked about this on our on our signing day show, the possibility of this. He did it. They went and in basically a month's time flipped this kid from Miami and, and, and brought him to Colorado, a school that he in a million years would not have ever considered going to if anybody other than Dion was no. there. This is a Lakeland, Florida kid. There's no reason for him to be in Boulder, Colorado, other than Dion being there. Um, they have added transfers from, I mean, basically every power five school they've, they've picked up contributors. They've gotten a cornerback from Ole Miss. They got a couple of defensive linemen from Arkansas and Michigan. They got Cavassier smoke who is fine from Kentucky. Um, just a, a ton of players, an absolute ton of players. Um, they grab Leonard Payne from Fresno state, which I thought was a really, really good pickup because he's a. He's a 308-pounder who moves like a linebacker on the defensive line. Um, it's it's a it's a really good transfer class. It's an extremely extremely yeah. good transfer class. Jimmy Horn Jr., uh, Travis Hunter, like I said, I, I mean just just an abundance of of talent, an immediate infusion of talent that Colorado has not seen in multiple decades. Um, yeah, this by the way, really quick here 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 are the programs that I mean the 22 and 23 classes combined have signed two corners, uh, again, combining those two classes, ranked in the top 10, so the top 20 overall corners basically the last two years. Yeah, uh, It's Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, common names here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Texas, Clemson, Texas A&M, and Colorado. Yep. Uh, that's the list. That, so, is the, <laughs> that is the full list of not LSU, not Florida, yeah. not Florida State, you know, not Miami, not Oregon, uh, not Michigan, not Notre Dame, yeah. Colorado. But yeah. that's what they have. They, they have they have two of the best defensive backs in the country, hands down. Yeah, the um, the two back to back number one cornerbacks in in consecutive classes. Number number one, number one in back to back classes at cornerback. Um, I mean, even just that. If if it was just that, and they hadn't added anything else, you know, they hadn't gone and grabbed a four star running back, top two hundred running back from Notre Dame's class. If they hadn't landed a pair of four star receivers, if they hadn't gone out and grabbed a starting caliber quarterback and several immediate starters at basically every position in the transfer portal. Even if it was just two elite cornerbacks that you pair with each other, that can give you a lot of success. That's, that's a, that's a pretty dangerous combination to have those two. Um, the, the infusion of talent here, like I said, is basically unprecedented. I don't know. I have no idea what this is going to look like in year one, because I have never seen this many new faces and this many talented players going into such a bad program all at once. Um, this is like, this, this is my favorite hire because who else, who else would you get this with? If you're Colorado, how else would you do this? How else would you even conceive of doing this? Because you're not going to hire Nick Saban and you're not going to hire Urban Meyer. Who else can do this? I, I, I don't think anybody can. I think it's just Dion. I don't think anybody else would be capable of this kind of infusion of, of immediate infusion of talent than 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 what Dion has done. I just I just don't see it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the question, I guess, I want to see him answer is, can he do it outside of corner? Yeah. Right. I, I think that's probably the next question to answer for them, uh, and or outside defensive backs, probably. I guess. Yeah. Uh, obviously he's gotten his own son. I think they had a, what a four-star running back and maybe a couple four-star receivers. Yes. But they only had, I believe three players in the top 500 in this recruiting class. Like it's very, very short notice. 
So I'm not knocking him for that. There's there's definitely tons of I'm very curious what he does in a full season. But I mean, yeah, dude, like like you said, even with that, even if the knock is he only gets players at a handful of positions, that's a handful of positions more than Colorado was landing blue chips yeah. at prior. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's the answer. How many I'm curious, how many top five hundred players in Colorado have on the roster prior to this? They signed yeah. none the year prior. Probably um, not very many. I would guess not, I would guess not very many. I mean, we're talking about Colorado in January. That's that that has not been the case for a very long time. That has not yeah. been something that you could say about college football for a very long time is that there's a reason we have a reason, a good reason, not a bad reason to talk about Colorado in late January. There's intrigue, there's interest, there's a thing to look at. I I there there's the Pac-12 dropped uh, dropped schedules recently and their schedule is really really brutal and so I'm not sure I don't know exactly what the win totals are going to look like this year but like I don't know I'm interested in Colorado I was not, I've not ever been interested in Colorado I'm 23 years old I've never once been interested in Colorado until right now um yeah. that's a good hire that I, I sight unseen that's a good hire people are talking about Colorado football that's a good hire yeah, I mean, I was counting through it, by the way. Mel, Mel Tucker signed five in his one year as, as a head coach. Yeah. And besides that, there are like five others in the last like five recruiting classes. Yeah. So it, it basically he tripled up the average number for, for top 100 recruits in a, in a class for, for Colorado. Cool. Uh, let alone the transfer portal additions. I mean, he, he's a stud. It's, yeah. it's impressive what he's done. Yep. Um, all right. Moving now to our least favorite hires. I will, uh, I, I'll pass it back to you here for this one. Who's your least favorite hire of the cycle? Yeah, mine's an easy one. It's an easy guy to dunk on. I, I don't feel like this is going to be too controversial here, but but Trent Dilfer at UAB, yeah. right? Um, for a lot of reasons, one being that he's Trent Dilfer. Um, no one wants to hire a Trent Dilfer for really anything. Mm-hmm. I don't think I want him at any job. I don't think he's not going to be an analyst not, on TV. I don't think he not a charismatic guy. Not somebody yeah, who not know. somebody who you gravitate to. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I just there's nothing going on, right? He's he he was like. What his only memory of, of you know the, the only thing players associate him with is like being the guy who talks about uh, elite eleven and writing elite eleven, which like a newsflash for you, he's not going to land one of those quarterbacks. He's not yeah. going to get an elite eleven quarterback to your program. I, I hope that's not a crazy thought for anybody. Uh, yeah, do you, like he he wasn't even. Is, are the do, 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 yeah. do people think that there are like four or five star quarterbacks out there who grew up idolizing Trent Dilfer? I got to go play for Trent Dilfer. I have to go play for the guy who's known for being the shittiest Super Bowl quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, it's, it doesn't it's, really exist. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like there's nobody who's like, oh, my God, I got to go play for Trent Dilfer. They don't know who this fucking guy is. He's a loser. He's a nobody. Right. It's, it's like, come on. It's like, I guess, good on him. The fact that he, you know, it, it did well coaching it. Like, you know, one of the the wealthiest uh, and most talented high schools in, in Nashville. Yeah. Like he, he went to one of the, like, you know, the, the most talent rich cities in the country for football took over one of the best, you know, programs there and went to three straight tight, three straight state titles after they had already won, you know, several other state titles in recent memory. Yeah. Uh, I don't care. He's a, he's a, maybe a good high school coach. What does that mean to me? He's taking over a college program. Like he, yeah. he has to, and, and and by the way, all of his players, like all the guys who were in this program when he got there, hate his guts. Yeah. Like they wrote a letter <laughs> to the president saying not to hire him. <laughs> the team, yeah. The team did. The team, the team, the team begged over. them not to hire him. And, and right before he got hired, uh, there was like a TikTok that leaked of him screaming at Phil Dawson's son, some high school football player. Like that's the other thing in the news recently is him yeah. just screaming at a kicker's kid. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, I don't understand here what 
I don't understand what the point of this is. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't really get what you're going for, what you think will happen, what the result is. None of it makes any sense to me. Yeah. It's just, it's just a waste of time. Yeah. I, I he, guess, is, is my... And, and immediately this was all sort of supported and confirmed by the, the staff that he went and, and hired, which is a staff of analysts. It's a staff of non, you know, on-field assistants. It's a staff of guys doing this for the first time. It looks a lot like the staff that you would build if you were not in, in any way connected to college football. If you had no real ties beyond just Elite 11 and being a high school coach. He hired here, I'm not going to read off the names, but offense, his offensive coordinator was an Alabama analyst. Tight ends coach was an Ohio State analyst. Defensive line coach was an Ohio State quality control guy. Quarterbacks coach was a South Carolina analyst. Offensive line coach was a Georgia analyst. Defensive coordinator was his defensive coordinator at Lipscomb, Lipscomb Academy. Um, his only two high staffers... High school D.C., dude. High yeah, school D.C. High school D.C. His only two staffers who were previously in staffer jobs are his special teams coordinator from Middle Tennessee State and his defensive back coach, who was the linebacker's coach at UNLV, a staff that just got fired. Uh, come on. I mean, come on. Really? This is... this Absolute is loser nonsense. This is the best you could do, guys? This this is? You think that this staff is going to get the job done in the in the AAC? You're jumping up, and this is... You've got a high school defensive coordinator. He's he's going to be your guy. He's going <laughs> to... He's going to dial him up? <laughs> come on. This is silly. <sighs> this is silly. And it's... I mean... This, we might be in for like a year one firing kind of situation here. I think that they could be truly one of the worst football teams in, in, in college football this year. Despite having you know, bowl-eligible and above-level talent, well above bowl-eligible talent, there's no fucking way that these morons can run a football program. None of them have ever done it before. I, I, come on. <laughs> this is, you fired a high school staff. To coach a college football program, this isn't gonna work. It's just, it's, it's, yeah. We've we've talked about it before, but it's just frustrating because I think UAB yeah. had a really good opportunity here, and they just absolutely threw it away. And it wasn't even UAB; it was just one guy. It was the athletic director. I mean, if you're if, just if you're the just, if you're the UAB president, that's immediate no confidence. You're out of here. You're gone. You have you have you have. Uh, you have proven that you are not competent enough to fill this role, that you cannot put aside your friendship with Trent Dilfer when you are hiring a coach. It's, I mean, come on. The, just, this is, this is, it should not be allowed to happen. This, it's, it's deeply, deeply embarrassing. Even just from the outside looking in. There's no justification for this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, like you, your, your best case scenario here is you get like the 29th ranked quarterback in a, in a recruiting class, or you get like a transfer quarterback who probably failed somewhere else and thinks maybe Trent Dilfer can help him out. Like yeah. that's your upside. The guy who remembers Trent Dilfer from the Elite 11 is like, well, well, I guess I couldn't hack it at this school and these three other schools didn't want me. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll give it a shot and start at UAB for a year. Yeah. Like that's not, that's nothing. That's nothing. Yeah. You gonna there's blo- how there's you gonna, no upside. How are you going to block for that guy? Hey, who's he going to throw to? What, is he going to have a defense on the other side of him? No, you're just going to have a quarterback. That's it. Yeah. What does he know about Alabama recruiting? Too? What yeah. does he know about recruiting the state of Alabama? Jack shit. Yeah. You can you can get a you can <laughs> you can get roughly like a Graham Mertz level quarterback. That's maybe the best you could possibly hope for. You can have Graham Mertz maybe. I, I mean, come on. God. This is just just a waste of time. A waste of everybody's time. Um, my least favorite hire is not quite so. Uh, horribly offensive, but I do think that it's a disastrous hire in a time where a program really could not afford to make such a bad hire. Uh, Tim Beck at Coastal Carolina. Um, I just there's again, 
with the similar to the Trent Dilfer thing, not as bad because Tim Beck has been a, a football coach before. He has been in college football. Um, but it's tough I, to say that that's a generous kind of terminology. Yeah. But, yeah, but I, I come back to the same question here of why, what's the goal? What, what do you, what would you get out of this? What would be the best case scenario for a Tim Beck head coaching tenure? What is the end result of this? What is the, what is the ideal? Because it's not like he's built elite offenses as an offensive coordinator. He hasn't. It's not, that's not our opinion. He hasn't. His stat, his stats are bad. He hasn't done it. It's not like he's developed quarterbacks. He's done the opposite of that. He's actually made them worse. He's made quite a few quarterbacks worse. Um, he, I guess he's, he's the guy who who turned the offense that had uh, Zeke Elliott, Mike Thomas, Devin Smith, Taylor Decker, uh-huh. Pat Elfline, Billy Price, Curtis Samuel. Uh, I'm forgetting Terry McLaurin was on offense, right? Yeah. Uh, into like one of the worst offenses in of college football. Yeah. That was that was that guy. Yeah, he installed the yips in JT Barrett. He ta- he he made him forget how to play football. He <laughs> like this this guy. He's he's bad. He's a bad football coach. He has been bad everywhere he has been. I would not be surprised at all if he was going to get fired by NC State this offseason before Coastal Carolina went and did him a favor. Um, like this was a this was a top program. In the Sun Belt, this was a program that had a, a ton going for it, that had a, a really fun-to-watch, interesting offense that had drawn national attention, certainly from, from you know our podcast, but from everywhere. I, I think a lot of people had a lot of interest in Coastal Carolina. Most importantly, from our podcast. Yeah, so. from our podcast, most importantly, of course. Um, and they, I mean, they didn't retain a single staffer. They didn't retain a single staffer when Jamie Chadwell left. There are guys who didn't go with Jamie Chadwell who are still not, they're just not on the staff. They got rid of all of them so that they could bring in Tim Beck, Travis Trickett, uh, like uh, losers, Derek Wareheim, Dan Carroll. Like, why do you want these guys? Yeah, we got to go get the Michigan Panthers defensive coordinator. I need to go get the guy who just got fired as New Mexico's offensive coordinator. I I need Travis Trickett, who was just at USF. Is this really what you want? Is this what the pro? Is this what you want to do? This is the next step you think after Jamie Chadwell brings you relevance? Is that you want to run the same offense as everybody else with Tim Beck as your head coach? He's going to get you to the promised land. It's time to run everything. It's time to run what Georgia State runs with less talent. That's what we need to do in the Sun Belt. I, I just. Uh, to what end? <laughs> I just don't understand. The wor- the worst case scenario in this in this circumstance should have just been that you hire one of his coordinators. You just promote one of Chadwell's coordinators. That is the that is the backup plan that could not possibly go wrong. The what you do is you go out and you see if like Kennesaw State's head coach is interested. You could you see if maybe you can get a. a you know, like like an Air Force offensive coordinator. You go and see if you can get somebody like that who has option ties, and then if you can't, you hire somebody from within. How do you possibly land on Tim Beck? How does his name even come up? <laughs> I don't... How, how do you... Like, what has to happen in your brain when you are the athletic director who just saw what you did over the last however many years at Coastal Carolina that the first guy you go to, the guy who you call up is Tim fucking Beck? How is he in your phone? I don't... I just don't understand. I don't know... What could possibly be the appeal of this? What is the reason behind this? Can't imagine it, dude. Just truly cannot understand it whatsoever. Um, it's there's there's no justification I, I had for it. I know we we were going through a list of uh, of hires we hate, and I think he was one of 
what did I, I, I think I sent you like maybe 15 names of hires yeah. we didn't like. Yeah. And like two we, two we yeah, love. I mean, basically, <laughs> we didn't like any of the hires this off. Most of the hires this offseason were really bad. Most yeah. of them were our stupid list, and list, didn't make much sense. Our list of consideration for hires that sucked. Uh, I, I think uh, obviously Trent Dilfer and, uh, and Tim Beck went out for us. We also had Eric Morris at North Texas, which yeah. made no sense to me. Uh, Barry Odom UNLV was pretty odious. Yeah. Uh, Scott Satterfield going to Saturday was basically Tim Beck on a bigger scale, mm-hmm. um, but maybe not quite as shitty. Uh, Biff Poggy or Biff Biff. I will. P A W G I. I will. I'll push back against Biff. I think Biff is good. I'm Biff. I'm Biff pilled. I'm fine on Biff. You're just trolling, dude. You're just being a troll. That's all you're doing. I'm ready. Unfortunately, I'm ready to believe what you have done. I, I know this when I see it. You have talked yourself ironically into an opinion that you don't actually think, but uh-huh. you just you've irony poisoned yourself into believing it. He's, he's, I, do, I do this myself many times. You don't understand. He's built different. He's different, buddy. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> uh, and, and we also have Alex Galesh on here. Yeah. Uh, Odi- that's, that's very very too. odious figure. No no thank you on Alex Galesh. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, there just, really no good, and there are a lot of further names I chopped off too. We could have included, but, but yeah. to get back to Tim Back, he he does suck ass. Yeah. Fuck this guy. I'm I I hope that the program rots. Fuck them. This this shit sucks. How did you how did you blow this so bad? You you've been doing so well. Time to throw it all away. We gotta fly. We gotta. We're, what we're gonna need to do is we're gonna need to turn the garbage disposal on and then just put our hand down there. That's that's the plan. That's the uh, the 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 moving forward after Jamie Chadwell leaves. It's time to just kill ourselves as a program. Um, good, 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 good stuff there. Uh, Ryan, who's your guy? Who's who's your uh, who's your guy for this for this cycle? Yeah, Not your favorite we, we guy, should, but just who's your guy? This, right? Yeah, sure. I guess I don't yeah. know if we have an actual explanation for what this is. Um, <laughs> but if you have yeah, one, I'm, I'm I think glad our to hear guy it. is kind of. I think we we both did assistance, right? It's kind of like assistance that we yeah. uh, we are high on that we think are gonna work out. Yeah. And yeah, maybe I somebody who kind of us. who kind of flew under the radar, who you might not have known went to this school otherwise, who you might not know about prior, but uh, our guy, a, a guy who we like, who we are are ready to stand and say, I like this guy. I think that he's going to do well, basically. Yeah, I've got Matt Guerrero going to Tulsa here. Yeah. Um, Guerrero is is uh, a guy that you guys have probably heard me talk about previously. I, I think I've talked about it on the show prior, but um, was a, a longtime defensive assistant at Duke, uh, where he was the coordinator, defensive coordinator um, uh, after Jim Knowles left uh, in 2017. Yeah. He was uh, on staff from 2015 through uh, 2020. At the end of 2020, uh, he was named as uh, one of the three finalists for the AFCA Coaches Assistant of the Year Award. Mm-hmm. Uh, Assistant Coaches of the Year Award, rather. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, as DC. He's, he's kind of a Knowles uh, guy is sort of how he is known. He's kind of a Knowles guy. Knowles guy. I think he had like six all ACC players in his in his like uh, three years as uh, defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. uh, which is, I think, fairly, I mean, fairly impressive that fucking Duke could do that, to say the least. Jeremy Cash is the big man everyone probably knows, who I believe was a second-team All-American. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just a guy who's still very young has, uh, you know, the AFCA assistant of the year uh, kind of finalist thing under his belt. Um, not a, I'm not saying he's, you know, Jesus Christ himself or anything like that. It wasn't like he was a, the best DC in the country, yeah. but a guy with that pedigree who's still this young, uh, he finished his, his bachelor's degree uh, 12 years ago. So that makes him what? 34 years old. Yeah. Uh, he is just a very serious uh, hire. I think for Tulsa to make. Yeah. Uh, and Tulsa has obviously had some good DCs lately. Um, that is that is to say the least. Um, but, uh, you know, especially Joe Gillespie, who's uh, Gillespie, who's our big guy there, at TCU, who was at Tulsa for quite a while. Yeah, um, I love this hire, man. I, I mean, I think 
Guerreri has the capability of of being an overnight uh, fix Tulsa's defense, which got pretty bad this past season. Um, I think that they can really do a lot there with him. Um, I think he's a good recruiter. I think he's going to not be at the shop for a very long time. I think it might be like a one and done uh, hire for them, maybe a two and done hire before he goes to the next job again. But yeah, this is a guy who to me is a power five DC. Um, you were getting at Tulsa. So I think just value higher, great for them. Yeah. For as much as I don't really like Kevin Wilson, um, he has put together a, a pretty good staff, all things considered. I, I think that they're, yeah. I think that their staff is, is um, pretty pretty decent it seems like the staff that you would put together if you've been around college football for a really long time and uh the, the or, guy knows yeah. some ball dude he knows some ball yeah, he, he just did. hired i don't know if you saw today he hired ryan switzer as wide receivers coach. that was i was interested um, in that because he's not been a coach before i don't think i think this is ryan switzer's I, first coaching job which is a little bit strange but i suppose there are worse guys to learn under than like kevin wilson and and his offensive coordinator steve spurrier jr um and yeah. i would assume that ryan, ryan switzer knows how to play wide receiver he's he's done some of that um that's it's it's an interesting hire yeah i will say also just i mean not, not that like i know I, I do unfortunately come across as the world revolves around ohio state which mm-hmm. it kind of partially does but to be fair uh but <laughs> he did hire several guys that were like you know there's a difference between like the guys who who there's like, look, when you're around Ohio State, basically every GA or QC gets some buzz around them just because it's Ohio State and because yeah. everyone wants a source. So there's the guys who want to put their name out for anyone. Uh, but he did hire a few of the guys that were like universally respected on his staff. Uh, Coy McFarland being one of his linebackers coach who had followed Knowles from Oklahoma State to Ohio State. Um, he is a big dude uh, who he hired as full-time linebackers coach at Tulsa. I think that's a fantastic hire. Yeah. Um, he also got uh, Michael Hunter Jr., uh, who was, uh, I think, pretty doing pretty well at uh, as an, a GA for Oklahoma State prior to this. Um, just a guy who's familiar in the area of recruiting, uh, pretty well loved. Um, who else did he hire? I think he got Ryan Stanchek, people like a lot. Yeah, uh, Stanchek had been at Austin P and Florida A and M, uh, and is regarded as a really good recruiter in basically the entire South. Um, just a lot of dudes coming through who people seem to to like of his hires. Um, and the other big one is just a, an OG. He got Ron Burton as well throughout college football for a million fucking years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, good, good staff, good staff from Wilson. I'm pretty impressed with what he's done given the budget and, and you know, time constraints. Yeah. Uh, my guy here is the new defensive coordinator at Tulane. Um, hoping, hoping that I know how to say his name correctly. Lance Guidry, Lance Guidry. Um, we're going to go with Lance Guidry who most yeah. recently was the defensive coordinator at Marshall. Um, Marshall's defense, if you have not seen it uh, of late, specifically in 2022, kind of the only good thing that they have going for them. It was really, really good last year. Um, he is he was, a, he was at McNeese State as the head coach for three years. Um, I've not really been able to find a whole lot of information about why he was fired there because he was fired after three winning seasons. Um, I guess maybe they just have playoff expectations, and he did not do that. He has uh, long-running family ties to McNeese State. I believe he went there. But he's a Louisiana guy um, who was sort of transplanted at, at Marshall. Um, I just, I just really like his defense. I really like the way that he does things. He's sort of a, he's one of the two, four, five guys. It's very versatile. He likes to only have the two down linemen and then it can, it can go up to as many as, as four or five. Um, they, 
despite being a two four five, they had one of the highest uh, like averages of number of guys in the box uh, per per play, and they of course then in turn had the fourth best running defense in America. And the pass defense was not quite as good; it was like in the twenties. Um, but they they do the kind of defense that I really like, which is that very very dynamic, very versatile. Uh, front where it can be anywhere from five to eight on any play, basically given what, you know, based on whatever the offense shows. Um, they've produced a lot of those hybrid safety linebacker guy types, you know, where you got like six one two fifteen. He just does a little bit of everything. Cincinnati's had a lot of success with these guys and with a three three five version of basically this defense. Um, just he was, they were just really good. They were really really good last year. They don't miss. They didn't miss a lot of tackles. They made a lot of big plays, be it tackles for loss, be it sacks, be it uh, you know third down. I think they had the best third down conversion rate in America. Um, I think he's just. A, I think he's just. He's he's a really good defensive coordinator. He's got a really good system. It's it's not overly complicated. They do a lot of the same stuff. Their their coverage stuff is not like you know they're not doing a ton of things. They're not breaking out a ton of different looks, but. They're aggressive, they're dynamic, and they're really, really solid up front, which I think is, you know, for for Tulane being in the AAC, I think it's a great fit. I think that he will do extremely well in that conference. I think that he makes a ton of sense, and they, you know, uh, Willie Fritz did not have to replace a ton of this staff this offseason, and I think they're going to have a lot of continuity going into next year, but they did have to replace Chris Hampton, who was the defense coordinator who went to Oregon. Um, I don't think he could have done a whole lot better mm-hmm. than this. I think this was a really, really good hire. I think uh, Guidry kind of was was one of the quietly one of the better coordinators in America in 2022 and didn't get a ton of attention at Marshall outside of Tulane, outside of Willie Fritz, who you know I think knows pretty well what he's doing with this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think especially for Willie too. Like, this is a real turning point offseason where obviously he he nearly left for the Georgia Tech job if if all reporting was correct. And and to to come back and for Tulane to get him back and for him to make a hire like this is, uh, I mean, this offseason could have gone so sideways for them and now looks to be in a very very positive place at yeah. least. Yeah, um, they're, they're getting. A, I think this is huge. Getting a bunch of players back as well. I believe Michael Pratt is back among some other guys. Um, they have done. They've done pretty well. They've done pretty well to keep everything on track. Um, I will not go into a whole lot of detail, but I do have another guy who I just want to mention so that people go watch his offense. Um, I don't. We never talked about this. I had not noticed it until recently. But Army fired offensive coordinator Brent Davis uh, the, this this off season, and they went out and they grabbed Drew Thatcher, who was the offensive coordinator at Nebraska Kearney. Um, he's Margaret Thatcher's kid. Yeah. Margaret Thatcher's kid. Uh, go watch this guy's offense, go on YouTube and, and just look for Nebraska Kearney football. And then watch, I think it's like the first or second video that comes up. Go watch this guy's offense. It is, um, it's a delight. It is, <laughs> it is unlike anything I have ever seen before. It is like they, they have, the stuff that he has drawn up in the quarterback running game is sinister. It is deeply, deeply sinister, and they're going to pair him with Darren Page, who was the running backs coach at Cincinnati most recently. Um, that's good. I like that. Those are both my guy as well, but uh, my, my real pick is is uh, is Guidry. Um, R- Ryan, do you want to do uh, best best new staff or anything like that, or do you want to get out of here? Um, hmm. 
Well, it is. It's eleven thirty. <laughs> I feel like you asked me on the podcast. Means that everyone's gonna get mad at me now if yeah. we don't do it. I mean, I'll, I'll just thing, I'll just tell them real quick. It's Arizona State. I love Arizona State staff. I'm not gonna go into any detail. Just go look it up. That's my favorite. That's my my favorite of the new yeah, coaching go- staff. Google Arizona State uh, and hard staff is what you want to Google for Arizona. Yeah. If you just take a look at that, you'll get exactly what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. For sure. All right. Cool. Well. we'll... <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you guys next week, I guess. Um, should we tell them what we're doing for the off season real quick? Also, probably, probably should do. Oh that. yeah, yeah, good, good point. Probably should know the top of the episode, but we'll. well yeah, that's fine. What are you gonna do? Uh, yeah, you'll be a real fan to find it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're we're going as you guys might expect. I, I don't think any of you or us wants to hear from us twice a week in the off season. I don't think there's enough content. Yeah. In college football to do that, right? I, I can't imagine it. So so we're gonna go. Um, basically every other week, sorry, every week there'll be an episode. Uh, it'll go premium free, premium free, all three weeks on content. So um, you will hear from us. If you're a free listener, if you're a freeloader, this is a free one, right? Uh, you will hear from us uh, every other week. If you are a premium listener, you will still hear our, our sultry, uh, seductive voices every week throughout the off season. Yeah. Um, we'll have plenty of coverage for you guys. I think we're going to do some kind of uh, some, some cool stuff, premium only stuff. So I'm kind of getting inventive with this here because um, I'm sure we want, we want to hear more from what you guys want to have us cover in the off season because there's only so many ideas that we, we've got. And this is off season number three now. So, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. we're happy to do, uh, happy to do hire a staff the third year in a row if you want mm. us to do that. But, um, <laughs> maybe some other stuff out there too, we can work on. Yeah. Uh, and it'll be the same with high street freaks do for it's worth. We're gonna do the same, same setup over there. Yep. So, All right. um, well, we are working on getting, getting the bucket problem back in your feeds here during the offseason, we'll be in some conversations about that. So, so to keep, keep your um, eyes and ears, because if you're a Michigan fan looking for that, yeah. um, just stay tuned. Yeah. We are fixing the bucket problem. We have solved the bucket problem. Um, That's right. All right. So uh, those of you who are subscribers to meet at midfield.com, we will talk to you all next week. If you're not, uh, you should go subscribe and then you can continue to hear the show as regularly scheduled. You should, it's, it's a good reason to go subscribe. You also get access to the message board and the posts and everything like that. I'm going to hopefully, I say, hopefully I'm going to, uh, have a scheme standout standouts this week on some new assistant hires that I like, sort of in the same vein as as our guys um, on just what they do and, and what they can bring to their new schools. Uh, so meet at midfield.com. Go subscribe there, and then and, and also really quick, sorry Patrick, to cut you off, but if you're an Ohio State fan too, uh, I have just finished writing um, nine uh, position previews for the spring. So yeah. you have uh, shit. Let me do the word count real quick. Uh, probably something like I don't know. It's getting up near a thousand words article if I had to guess. So yeah. you're only looking at 10,000 words of previewing this, the position battles in the spring. I, I will tell you guys here in uh, just one second, I'm doing the word count right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I'm individually counting every yeah, word. Yeah, I was going to say uh, you're counting it up word by word. Yeah. 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 It's going to be about 10,000 words total. So you just split across nine articles. So keep, keep an eye out for that one. Enjoy that. Uh, a lot of, a lot of Buckeye content coming to you guys and a lot of other stuff too. I'll be getting back to the national shit after that. It was kind of my last big Ohio state off season piece. Yeah. I wanted to write. Yeah. Uh, until real spring football's happening again. So, um, yeah, me, I'll be joining Patrick on the national coverage again very soon. So keep an eye out for that. Cool. All right. We'll talk to you guys next week.